What's going on, good people? Welcome to Live by the Three of Raptors podcast with your boy Curly. Don't forget to give me a follow on Instagram at Live by the Period Number Three and on Twitter at Live by the Zero Three. The band is back together again. I'm joined by Nigel Nicholas via Raptors Republic and the man they call Mac, also from Raptors Republic, but also off of running off the screen. Gentlemen, how the heck are you? Starting, let's start with Nigel. Nigel, you, you got the the veteran look right now you're in playoff mode you got the playoff beard you're you're ready to go brother no buddy this is the retirement look this is the look of a man who's been beaten down by the raptors it's <laughs> over baby i'm in full retirement i'm out in sunny florida lying on a chair <laughs> I, th- I thought you said that beard was gonna you're gonna grow it until they trade uh, fred van vliet no, I'm buddy, i love fred van vliet don't, i'm joking don't, i'm joking don't at me don't at me on that one <laughs> and, and mac Brother, congratulations! You're you're running your your own expansion draft. You know how how's the <laughs> roster looking, brother? The roster is looking good. I'm one one away from a starting five. I, I guess I could run the five and have my kids run the guard spot. We'll play like Golden State. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So play that small ball, brother. It works. It works. Congratulations, buddy. <laughs> yeah, congratulations. Thank you, thank you, guys. Thank you, uh, ladies and gentlemen. We know. How this season has unfolded for the Raptors. We we've had some time to reflect, and we've seen enough online people airing out their grievances and whatnot. I have, and in, in the last episode, so this will kind of be like the end of season wrap up. And I want to get the thoughts from the boys here, Nige and Mac. This is a safe place. Let's take some time to reflect on this season. Like it has been a roller coaster. I've said it multiple times among us in the group chat and on multiple multiple pods but nige the season ended with a loss to the chicago bulls the fight for the playoff ended on a sour note going 18 for 36 from the free throw line after having a double digit lead early was this just a fitting end to a disappointing season yeah, it perfectly summed every moment of horror that we have had from this team. That whole the expectation level they gave us, they they threw us the rock, buddy. They threw they were, they were like Medusa calling to us, and we just like landed up there, crashed wave after wave over, over the rocks, buddy. It hurts. It still hurts. I don't want to talk about it anymore. That's it. I think those rocks are really boulders, but that's okay. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> That was it was a horrible, horrible ending, and I'm glad looking back at it now, though, that it happened because at least we get a better draft pick out of it. That's you know that's the one consolation I have, but it was a horrific way to go down. And, and Mac, how do you feel, brother? Like I, I could see the the defeat <laughs> and the agreeance in your face when Nigel was talking, brother. You know, it, it's a weird place to be because I'm almost. Uh... Ups, like as upset as I am, I'm also kind of relieved, if that makes sense. Because I'm upset because we know that we can get so much more from this roster if we approach things a little bit differently each game with more structure and role definition that we've been repeating a lot on this pod. And we just look so unprepared at times. And I am relieved in a sense because at the end of the day, we all knew changes had to be made, we all knew our bench would be an issue we all knew perimeter shooting would have been an issue we pretty much knew all levels of scoring on offense would have been the issue in the half court so having a season like this should give our front office 
uh, an extra kick towards making a change. You know, so that that's where the relief kind of comes in. One hundred, I agree with yeah. you. One hundred, Mac. I could not agree with you more. The only thing I would add to that is going into this season, they did not fix any of the issues that we had last season for all the reasons that you mentioned. Lack of bench depth, rim prop, uh, appropriate rim protection at the beginning of the season, shooting, take your pick. All the problems that we continue to talk about throughout the entire season. So, or before the season, I should say. So when the season actually happened, I, I wouldn't say that I was expecting a lot but i also didn't expect the way the season unfolded and I, and i think that's probably what's more devastating because we've seen them at their best but we've also seen them in at their worst and we've also seen them in their in between so we saw we got to see the multiple faces of the raptors this season and as much as they found multiple ways to win the game they've also found multiple ways to lose the game so with all that being said i expected them to be a 6 seed at minimum you know, best case scenario, they, they're in the top five. But to be battling for the play-in, losing games that they should have been winning, and so on and so forth, that to me was very surprising and disappointing at the same time. Given that our top seven, top eight guys individually, they're phenomenal when healthy and when they're on their game. But for whatever reason this season, they haven't been able to put it all together. So... Ahead, oh, man. sorry. Sorry, I wanted to add one thing. Like, I, I think why a lot of us are disappointed is, listen, our, our team has, I guess, overachieved year after year. You know, there's always been some some type of development. And when that development hits a certain peak, we expect that development to keep going in other areas. So we look at Delano Banton. We all expected him to take a little bit of a jump. You know, we look at Malachi Flynn. We thought he was going to come in. Like, every year we expect our young guys to, like... Um, progress and get better and better and it just didn't happen this year for whatever reason I think that's again that's why I think us losing the way we did it kind of makes our it kind of humbles us a little bit and yeah that's just the way the cookie crumbled this season one, one thing I want to add to that I think part of the reason why we have that expectation is because we see the same team coming back as well so we're not there behind the scenes we don't know what's going on in the offseason we don't know what's going on over at MLSE. So when you bring the same team back, you make little adjustments here or there or no adjustments at all. So I think it kind of creates this scenario where the fan base is saying, okay, well, you know what? You know that we had all these issues that we discussed multiple times, but yet you didn't address any of them. So is Delano Banton going to become a better shooter is malachi gonna become the playmaker that we want him to be and so on and so forth so i think it kind of goes hand in hand nige what, what do you think about that you know what i think uh, at the end of the day it's been a long time since we had expectations that weren't fulfilled by this team and we've been used to that over and over and over again and like max said they always do a little bit better than we expected this year it was just nothing they seem to be going in the right direction and they would just flop down and we get excited because you know what we're fans at the end of the day we want this to happen but it just wasn't meant to be it was just one of those it wasn't meant to be seasons and that's fair so we know what 
the Raptors should do, what this front office should do in Masai and Bobby, but we've also seen them stand pat and maybe sit on their hands a little bit. So, Mac, I'm going to start with you. There are multiple issues that need to be addressed with this team, unfortunately, but is there one in particular that really needs to be addressed before the start of next season? Uh, Man, there's a few, like you've mentioned, but one thing I want to want to see for next year, if we're going to bring back this core six, is to shore up that bench unit, get a, a set of reliable players, uh, so we can just kind of settle in it in a nice rotation. Because our stars aren't necessarily superstars, so when you're building a team like that, it's harder to mask your flaws. And there's so much room for there's not much room, I should say. There's not much room for error, and you eventually run your guys into the ground like we've done this past two seasons. So getting some reliable bench pieces would be a great way to keep us afloat and keep us in games a little bit more while pre- preserving our starters. And hopefully that translates into a little bit more wins because at the end of the day, we were like, what, five games, six games away from six spot that we were saying. If we have more depth, a little bit more firepower that, you know, that that six spot looks like an easy get. I agree 100%. Nigel, what, what do you think, brother? So there's a lot in that, though, right? There's a simple fact that I okay. So let's face it. Do we think Gary's coming back? I don't think he's coming back. I'm not. I don't think they're gonna play twenty to twenty-five for a six-man, right? That's that's how I see it uh, from this course. Something has things have to change a little bit. I don't see a reason for continuity here that we've had in recent years. I think that there has to be something said to change certain aspects of this team. Say, for instance, the selfishness, that has to be dealt with. Someone has to be used as a scapegoat to say, you know what, we can't do this. Um, We need shooting. Like, we need a lot, a lot, a lot of shooting. When we have three guys, like, we're building around Scotty, we've got the Pascal in the mid-range as well, and then we add uh, our buddy uh, Yak in there. You need a lot of shooting that creates more spacing there. Take advantage of whatever we can. So is Gary the right guy? OG the right guy? Fred the right guy to provide that spacing? I don't know. That's up to those guys. I don't see him getting off Fred. He may get off OG. I definitely think he's going to get off Gary. So shooting is where you land on on the priority list? For me, at this point, it's definitely shooting, 100% shooting. If we have Scotty and we have uh, and we have Pascal, sorry, sorry, I-, I wanted to add to that. I-, I I agree with the shooting part. That could be a part of the bench unit too, adding some shooting. But I think what we need to be more specific about is uh, the type of shooters. Because we we've had shooters in the past. We've had Matt Thomases. We had Joe Wieskamps. We've had spot up shooters. We need movement shooters. We need all three level shooters, right? Yeah, we need exactly. guys who can shoot off the dribble, guys who can pull up, and guys who can come off curls, exactly. right? Exactly. All exactly. three types of three-point shooters in one guy. Not in three different guys, <laughs> one guy. Yeah, just a piece, a weapon, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's what I was alluding to, Mac, you know this, when we were doing about possible free agents, you know, we were saying like the Malik Monks, like imagine somebody like him or even like a Dante DiVincenzo, like guys that can move without the basketball. And and you're right, Nigel, I agree with you 100%. And with Mac, you know, the bench depth, we need that firepower. And that firepower 
could be shooting. So if you can address the bench with capable shooters, movement shooters, less predictable pieces coming off the bench, this team can take that next step that they failed to do so this past season because we saw multiple games and we saw it against the Chicago Bulls in that in that play-in game, the redundancy, the predictability, the repetitiveness. And now we're in a position where are you going to run it back? Are, and if you do run it back, is the result going to be anything different? No, I don't think it's going to be anything different. Is Gary Trent Jr. the odd man out? Yeah, possibly. But you have put yourself in this position. The, the, the Raptors front office has kicked this can down the road long enough. And now they've run out of road. They ran out of pavement. Now they're literally on the gravel and they're about to go over the cliff. Like that's essentially where they are right now. And it could have been avoided with a little bit more proactivity, but they were standing pat and buying time. And maybe in one sense, it was to evaluate the talent, but at the same time too, your talent had limitations and you were also weren't bringing in that young talent also. So that developmental pool that was once very big is now dry it's created this situation where they're gonna have to pay some of these guys and they might quite possibly have to go over the over the luxury tax unfortunately but now you know to everyone's point you bring back a piece like Jakob Scotty is obviously there Pascal who has you know somewhat has has improved his shooting this past season not in an efficient way but he's taking more shots he's forcing the defense to respect his shot and it's opening up more opportunities but he's not a shooter by any means so spacing will continue to be an issue samson and and michael grains were on a pod the other day and if you haven't had a chance to listen to it phenomenal pod shout out samson of course but michael grains brought up a brilliant point you look at the Milwaukee Bucks, and obviously you don't want to use the best team in the league as a measuring stick, but they had 12 guys oh, yeah. in their roster to hit a three. And 10 of those guys were at the league average, which was around 36%. The Raptors had four and two of them at the league average. And that's simply not going to get it done, and we see it. Gone are the days where you cannot hit over 10 threes a game and win a game the raptors have done it you know maybe a handful of times this season but it, it was it was a grind it was it was a sweat it was you know you had the starters logging in over 40 minutes in those victories so you need shooters you need to be able to hit threes and the raptors recipe for exchanging two for threes and winning the possession battle okay yeah you're winning the possessions but it ha it's not equaling out to win so i agree there is multiple issues but the bench depth and the shooting coming off the bench has to be the priority. So my my thing is too, is we know what we need, but how do we get it? Are you in the uh, idea of consolidating one of your starters to replenish your bench a bit? Like get take one great player and turn it into two good or two good players, or you know what I mean? Like how do we get that going? Or do we have to get lucky? Do we have to find those second contract type of guys who didn't really get a shot in the league? we worked out before kind of followed their career and know that with our system they can step up that's where Masai and Bobby are going to be getting a run for their money this offseason trying to find those diamonds in the rough again because we, we got a lot of contracts tied up 
and we don't have a lot of wiggle room even if we lose a fred if we lose a gary we still don't have the money to bring these type of guys in well don't forget we still got opj and that's the big question mark what's he gonna be like after a year of not playing too right so that's who knows and, how and also if he also sorry Nigel, if he's going to exercise his option right we we don't know that as well maybe he declines his option and goes back to golden state for example right oh he's taking that six mil yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I i i'm pretty sure i'm going with i'm going with that right so let's let's just go with that right now whatever happens happens right so let's go under that fact with opj's back but we don't know what he is like it's been a year off man look at play it took him a while it, you know and he's coming off a foot injury i don't know what how the balance is gonna be that's a whole different ball game too right i agree yeah, we, we gotta we gotta move opj with a pick or with a flint like i don't you want to move him yeah yeah i think he's too injury prone to rely on and he's not the youngest player right now and in our the way we look right now i think we need a little bit more younger uh dynamic players in that in that bench unit that can shoot you know so are you taking oh, that from the draft I mean, <laughs> where we are in the draft, it, it's a, there's a ton of guard play that is available in that range that can come in and pl- play some minutes for you early on. So I would be targeting that in the, in the first round. And there's not a lot of shooter shooters um, in that range. Like there, there's a lot of scores. Uh, you know, if you're looking at Grady Dick, if if he's available at 13, that would be a good guy to get for us. Someone who could move off ball, shoot at all three levels shoot off the dribble. He's very instinctual, would fit nicely with a bench unit. Uh, and the case in Wallace, he has the, the profile to be a good scorer in the league. Um, good, solid mid-range balance on his jumper. Great point of attack defender. Can He blocks shots well for a guard. So those are the two guys I would be looking at in the first round. But I don't know if they necessarily do like what a Otto Porter Jr. does. And maybe we don't want that. Maybe we want something better. But yeah, that's the, that's the way I would go about the draft. I feel like OBJ is going to be back. What's your take, Mac? He, he could be, but it, it's weird, right? Um, no, Mac. I, he, sorry, buddy. Go ahead. I want to curly yeah. on here. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> no, go make, ahead, make, Curly. If you want to make, make up your mind, Nige. Make up your mind, brother. I know it's my pod and everything, boys. Settle down. Settle down, okay? Don't, don't, don't give me no grief. <laughs> yeah, okay, Curly, if you want to go ahead. Yeah. Okay, first of all, Nige, you need to have a little bit more bass in your voice if you're going to imitate me. I'm just saying. <laughs> boys. <laughs> Boys. There, you, there you go. There you go. That's more like it. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, I, I do agree that I do see, given the circumstances, that Otto Porter Jr. is going to exercise his option. But there's also a possibility that he doesn't, right? So we, we can't take that option off the table as well. And let's call it what it is. He was in Washington. He was in Chicago. He was unhealthy. Of course, he goes to Golden State where the sun sh- sun is shining. He resurrects his career. And then he comes back to the cold. And now he's missing a toe. So it's probably in Lake Ontario by right now. So we, <laughs> we we don't know what's going on. But yeah, I, I think I'm with you, Mac. I think there's there's an opportunity where you can put Otto Porter Jr. in a different uh, in a more favorable situation. I do agree that we do have to get a little bit younger, even if you don't you don't get shooters. Let's, let's talk about the draft very quickly. Even if you don't get shooters coming in the draft, and there isn't many, even getting one player that can put the ball on the floor and create some sort of consistent rim pressure will totally open things up for this team in the half court especially but i think we have to maybe find 
a diamond in the rough, so to speak, and create, or at least try and create an opportunity to find those shooters because Jakob can't shoot. Scotty can't shoot. Pascal's not a great shooter yet. And I mean, OG's arguably our, our, our best shooter, you know, right. So, and one of the better shooters in the league right now, but again, still it's off of creation off of other players and not necessarily his own. But what was great about OG this year is that he wasn't just, at least in the second half of the season and the later half, more particularly, he's not just staying in the corner. He's at the elbow. He's at the top of the key. So there is a little bit more moving from there. But if this team is going to be successful, they have to find a way to create space because with Pascal taking up all that room, Jakob taking all that room, and until Scotty gets a consistent shot, there's going to be and forever will be some spacing issues. So... Getting somebody like a Case and Wallace that has the ability to get to the rim can, you know, I, I saw a stat today or at least a, a player comparison that he he was averaging similar numbers to Kyle Lowry um, college-wise, right? So, and we, we all know the story with Kyle Lowry as well. So, I think there is an opportunity for the Raptors to address a lot of their issues in the draft. My hesitation is we've also seen them fumble picks so i don't entirely have a full vote of confidence in them at this present moment maybe this is their time that they can restore my belief in them because we've seen a lot of misses lately and even with the picks that they did make there hasn't been a lot of opportunities so mac like you basically said get players that are going to have an impact and get players that you want to play nice what do you think so i think I'm trying to get a little deeper here. Um, I think that we're underestimated. I think that's the thing that we do the best is that we draft. And we've had some crappy drafts, but COVID's made things a little bit hard for everyone to understand the value of who, what a player is. We've also had a situation where our development team has been uprooted and changed. So there's things that have not worked in our favor. But I, I still believe them, you know, Mac, you're you're the you're the draft guy. Masai knows his stuff when it comes to scouting. The guys know their stuff. Tolzman, all these guys, they all know what they're doing. So it's there. You know what I mean? You don't lose it. You just might have bad picks, bad drafts, bad scenarios. And I think that's what has happened. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I mean, it would be nice to have our next year pick, but. The 2024 draft is not going to be the deepest. So I understand why they protected the pick the way they did. Because they're like, okay, if it's not top five, who gives a damn, you know? Yeah, which is fair. And and, and I'm not questioning their their intelligence at all. I'm not saying that. No, no, not intelligence, but you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Things have not worked out lately. Yeah, they they haven't worked out. So let me ask this question. Does this have to be a perfect offseason for the Raptors in order for them to take that next step, Nigel. What do you think? Okay, so it depends what perfect is. To me, at this point, we need a direction. We've been saying this, well, all three of us have been saying this since before the trade deadline, right? Can't Absolutely. wait for this trade deadline because we need a direction, right? Number one, this whole nurse scenario, come up. something's got to go. Either you go one way or you don't, right? This is really upsetting at this point because it's $9 million, for a company that makes a lot, lot more than $9 million, okay? And they they don't want to get off that. So that that pisses me off, okay? Hey, Number brother, the rich don't get rich by spending oh. money, okay? 
Yeah, but you know they, what? They that's what dollars. <laughs> get me that Saudi billionaire. I want him now. Okay, that's enough of this MLSD public company board of directors garbage, man. I want some guy who's going to wake up at 4 o'clock and say, yes, whatever you want. I got more than enough money. That's what we need. Number one, okay? Number two, let's go. I forgot what number two is. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know what happened? He saw dollar signs in his head and then he just threw them off, you know? He it's like, just number that- two, read number yeah. one again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> number two, with this team, we've got to figure out if we're going to go forward, what does that look like? As we said, the direction, right? We need to know what this thing is. Do we need it? Is Jeff Dalton going to be our backup point guard going forward? So let's start with that. No, if he's not, brother, then we need, you're, a, you're, we, then we need a backup point guard, right? You're asking questions that we've been asking for all season, no, man. I'm, I'm seeing you know? so many questions in there. I don't even know what the perfect thing is. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like this, like nebulous and i'm trying to like put it together and it doesn't make any sense as is and it's like the rubik's cube band i'm just keep on turning around i don't know what the perfect season looks like because i don't know what the finished product looks like nigel is more like galactus right now just the eaters of <laughs> universes and planets like that's that's his world right now back <laughs> uh, what, what what do you think i mean when when i when i'm saying the the perfect offseason that means they hit on the draft pick they're able to address one of those needs there in the offseason you know they bring back a jeff Dowden, for example or even they use the mid-level exception and get a player like dante divincenzo for example and you know maybe there's a sign and trade situation where we can address some of those depth issues that we continue to have that's the idea that i'm alluding to but we also know the complications and the financial uh, uh, complications that come along with it. So, Mac, where 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 is your position in terms of how the Raptors front office need to tackle the season? Like everything, definitely sounds like it has to go perfect. Yeah, it has to go perfect in the sense that we have to stop being so redundant. Like, if we have a point guard in Fred Van Vliet that is a spot up shooter, a catch and shoot guy, we need to bring in a guard not like him off the bench, you know? So it's not predictable. It's not too easy for the opposing teams to counterpunch and then we're just stuck, right? Uh, like like a DeLon Wright would be perfect. I know we always say his name. He would be perfect off the bench with this team. And we need, a, I think what another thing that we need in this off season is a, another stretch big. Someone that when, when uh, Jakob comes off the floor or even a utility big, he doesn't have to be a guy who plays every game, but a shooter... That when Jakob comes off the floor, we can create a little more space for Pascal to work. Because I've noticed since that deal, he hasn't been as effective as getting to the rim. And I think if we're trying to keep him long term, we got to maximize our best players' abilities because we're just wasting them on so our a team. Stretch, a stretch five is what you're looking for. I think we're gonna get. I think we need a stretch five off the bench. I think we need to end the precious Achua yeah. center minutes. Yeah. Yep. Make him guard the forwards and wings. He can do it. He is yep. a, his body type. Right. He looks like OG. Like his size is pretty much. I, I agree. The same size as OG, more or less, right? And then we need to upgrade uh, our bench seats <laughs> from Thaddeus, Otto Porter Jr., and Flynn. If they're sitting on your bench next season, you did something wrong. You and need to Boucher upgrade. Make any sense? Does Boucher with, with what we have right now make sense? Like going to forward. me, to me, I think a, a guy like Boucher can help a lot of playoff teams. If we're trying to be a playoff team, I think he's a good um, Swiss Army knife, like chess piece where he can block shots. He hasn't been blocking as much shots as 
he has earlier in his career, but he does little things that don't come up on the stat sheet, I think would be nice to keep on our bench. How about with Precious, though? Don't you see them as being a redundancy between the two of them, Precious and Chris? Uh, in a sense, yes. But if you have, uh, let's say, Precious as your backup three, for let's say, and then we have um, Boucher as your backup four, if we bring in that backup five who can shoot, that opens it up for those two to play well. The problem now is that... Coloco. That's what I'm Coloco. saying. Coloco will have to be in another development year, to, sadly. I think he needs... He's going to be better. But if injuries happen, that's when he's going to get his time to shine. But when we're looking at building a a lineup, a cohesive unit off the bench, I don't think you have Coloco, a Precious, and Boucher on at the same time. It's going to get too cluttered, and not they don't have much playmaking ability among them to kind of open up the game a little bit more. How about Kelly Olynyk? I think he would be a great pick. Sorry, I think. <laughs> no, I think Kelly Olynyk would be a great pickup. I think that's kind of like the guy I'm talking about. You know, those guys who instinctual can shoot. He's Canadian, so that helps. So I think Kelly, he would fit this team really good, really perfectly. Yeah, I, I think there is an opportunity where the Raptors can move off of Chris Boucher because there is a, a bit of a redundancy that we've all alluded to. I think the Precious at the center spot experiment, I agree with Mac 100%, definitely needs to go. And I also feel that Coloco is going to have to have another development type of year in order for him to take that next step. But if you are going to bring, you know, two of those players back, for example, and Mac alluded to this idea already, there's not a lot of creativity in a playmaking there. So is Jeff Doughton going to be that facilitator to create those opportunities for those guys? Or are we going to get a guy like a case in Wallace in the draft that's going to, you know, run the second unit the way that he he runs the unit? When I look at the perfect backup point guard that gives you something different, it, Tyus Jones off of the Memphis Grizzlies. I think he's the, the perfect off-the-bench point guard that can give you a different look that you're looking for. Less predictability, can... You know, hit the outside shot, can create those opportunities, play that great defense at the point of attack. That is the type of player that we need in order to help these guys coming off the bench. But yeah, I mean, if you're bringing back Thad and basically if you're bringing back the same bench, the same issues is going to be repeating again. So I think maybe it is time that you move off of Boucher. I mean, he's earned his keep. You rewarded him for his contract. He had a great season. He definitely earned it. This season was a bit of an off year, but you're also seeing that this freestyle system where you go out and get yours doesn't fit Boucher's play style. So maybe he requires a system, you know, like they have in a Phoenix, Boston. You or know, any other place except Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> or a place other than Toronto, Boucher <laughs> could def definitely benefit from it. Mac, um, Nigel, anything you want to add, brother? What's your take on Banton, guys? Do we are we still positive about him? I th in my opinion, we've seen flashes, and I think he's earned another opportunity to show what he can do. Uh, I saw him play for Team Canada. And I'm sure we all did. He, I think, I think he just had a too busy of a summer. You know, the playing between the 905 and the Raptors last season to Team Canada then summer league i think it was just all a bit too much and just unfortunate timing with his injuries because we saw what he was able to do with the starter minutes right 
he I, th- I think what, what was it like 27 or possibly 30 points that game and we ended up winning so oh, the, I th- the pistons game yeah exactly and then That's we also saw seven right right and then we also saw that in like four minutes he was also able to score 10 points coming off the bench in, in a losing cause but you saw the aggression you saw the fluidity in a jump shot so i would like to see a full season of him but is is he the only solution coming off the bench no i don't think so mac what, what do you think about that I think it's the same type of uh, idea with what I was saying with um, getting a stretch five. If we get more shooters around a guy like Banton, who is a natural point guard with his vision, he you're going to see him really flourish. Again, he, he had nowhere to go on the court. They just pack in the paint. No one can really hit their shot. And, and you know, Nurse has been really short with his leash. Maybe he's going to change that if he comes back next year. Maybe the new voice will find... A new way to uh, unlock, uh, you you know, unlock Banton. So I don't know. I think we need to give him another shot. He's shown a lot of flashes for us to just give up. Right. That's now. my problem though with Casey Wallace again. I, I, where's he gonna go, man? With those three guys there, he ain't gonna be able to slash inside because there's gonna be five guys back in the paint the whole time, right? Yeah. Well, with 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 Wallace, um, I like more so his defense and his demeanor. But yeah, offensively, I think he's gonna have a hard time with yeah. the type of team we have built right now. Yeah, I do. I don't. That's the problem. And I love the idea of Kaysomal. I love what the idea of him is, especially the point of attack where we've all been complaining all season long, right? But what we need, we need spacers now. We do, that's I think more than any anything else. And you know, I, I'm fine with Dalton. But, you know, cheap contract, can play that point of attack and pass it on, do something, you know? Cheap, cheap deal. Yep, and that, that's exactly it. So we were going to touch on the absence of this front office, and more particularly Masai Ujiri. And, you know, I got to tip my hat off to Mac for kind of bringing Masai <laughs> out of the weeds, kind of pulled him out of the bushes with his latest Crazy. episode of running off the screen. He clearly listens to the pod, Mac. And Crazy. now we have Masai Ujiri. He's going to have a presser at 11 a.m. on the Friday. And for everything that we talked about, Mac, I'm going to start with you. What are you expecting Masai Ujiri <laughs> to say at this presser? I mean, what was the over-under on the, the times he says win? What was it? Win eight? development. <laughs> I, I'm lo- lock it in, folks. Over eight and a half. Lock that in. <laughs> He's going to say win development, a combination of those words of that positivity over eight and a half times. Lock that in. That is a curly lock, okay? <laughs> well, what I think he's going to do is what he always does, right? He kind of tries to shoulder the blame. Um, he'll say he believes in guys. He'll say that it was just a down year and we're going to come back and we're going to win. And I mean, I guess we're going to have to read his body language more so than what he's saying to really kind of get an idea of what he's going to do. And he's going to probably address why it took so long to address the media. And then we might try and like find little like ways to read what he's trying to say. Uh, But at the end of the day, he knows this is a really important off season. And I don't think he's going to be playing around this offseason. I think he's going to really... Now this is the time to find a direction. I know they kind of tipped their hat into pushing the, the core with, with the, the Jakob trade. But I don't think he would mind moving on from that if a p- opportunity presents itself. 
So you're saying that you you think he's gonna be okay with moving off the court, right? Yeah, I think if if it if the return is what he thinks it should be, I think he's gonna do it. Because remember, he when we had uh, OG on the trade block, more or less, right? Um, he said that the deals that they saw at the de- uh, at the deadline is pretty much the deals he can get in the off season. So he kind of had a think. He had that thought process already, saying like, okay, well, we can revisit this. And see what, how this season goes. So maybe he did that Jakob trade to say, okay, let's give them that little push, give them that center that they've been begging for, see how far we can go. Whoop, they flopped. Okay, let's pivot. Nigel, what do you think? Put on put on your Maasai thinking cap. How, how are you well, approaching this person? Number one, I think totally is gonna apologize, guys. We had a it's a we had a bad season, you know. I wasn't expecting this after last year. And that's on me. That's on me, right? That's that's his, that's one of the first lines he's gonna come up with, as Max said. And then after a while, he's gonna start pushing around. We had some eye issues with this or that or whatever. But you know what? Until he's nothing's really gonna be said. Nothing's really gonna be done. It, uh, I I just don't see anything of any anything worth ha- saying being said tomorrow. That's all. You know, just a, just MLSC spin. The, we're going the, biking tomorrow, kids. The the the, P, the PR team is going to earn their keep tomorrow. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, you, could you imagine? No, could you imagine? Sorry, could you imagine he goes on the mic and says, "Fred, you're trash." Oh my Nick, god! You're trash. <laughs> imagine he just oh, <laughs> he just no. blatantly says, "I'm over this." Could you imagine? That would be the greatest moment in Raptors history if he called everyone out. That that would be amazing. I definitely be. Fred, Fred's not trash, sorry. I'm just saying, like, imagine he says that and just says, you know what? No, you know, no, Mac clearly said that Fred was trash. <laughs> at him, at him, <laughs> everyone. You, you know, you know what I don't like about you two when we get together is that both you guys like to do your slandering on my platform. This is a place of positivity. I don't appreciate you bringing your slander on this part. Yeah, Mac, you know? don't slander Fred. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not slandering. I'm just saying he's a free agent. And if you want to rebuild or retool, this is a good time. <laughs> you know, a, a lot of people have asked me this question, and all I said was if Masai Jerry is going to say exactly what we think he's going to say, I would just get a projector of a repeat of last season's presser and just put it on the screen like that that's pretty much what i'm expecting from Masai. i think in one sense it's great that he's always trying to remain positive and also trying to you know take some accountability for some of the shortcomings of this team and i applaud him for that and i think we're very lucky to have you know at least that little grain of positivity from this front office because they don't have to do that but one thing i will say is that we know that he's competitive we know that he's part of a front office that wants to win it just hasn't formulated to those wins i just don't know if this team can get any worse at this point and i think yeah i think it worse i think well well, in, in a sense that with all the issues that we've highlighted and with all the all the inconsistencies of this past offseason, I don't know if you're Masai Ujiri, you look at this team and say, you know what, we're going to run this team exactly how we did this uh, this past season. You know, I, I, I don't know. And and I think that if they do indeed run this team back exactly 
the same, I think we need to start questioning what this front office's uh, priority truly is. Are you trying to build a contender? Are you competing for draft picks? Because at this point, you're running it back. You're going over the luxury tax. You're probably you're most likely going to be a mid team again. Let's call it what it is. Then, are at those pl- right at best? Are those players like a Pascal, like a OG, going to be a part of that? Is Jakob Perto going to want to come back to that? If Fred is going to be like, it just creates a lot of unnecessary situations. If that is the exact approach that they take. Until we get to see Masai and we get to see what he looks like, you know, like Max said, body language and, and you know, the language that he's using, we're, we're really not going to get a feel for this team. And I think we're probably going to see more of what we did this past offseason. A lot of rumors, a lot of, you know, a lot of players being attached to different teams and different scenarios and whatnot. But I want to throw one thing out there, and I know this idea has already been floated out there. I'm of the belief that the reason why they've taken their time with this is to kind of figure out what's going on with Nick Nurse. You know, Nige, you alluded to it. He's on the he's on the books for another nine million. I don't see the MLSE, you know, forking that up in order to get him out of there. I think I don't necessarily see them firing Nick Nurse. That that's my position. Just the way how everything has has been tied together, so to speak. I don't I don't see it. If the team is going to move off from him, I definitely feel that it's going to be a Nick Nurse choice less than a Raptors organizational choice. Mac, what do you think? <sighs> well, <laughs> <laughs> if you get rid of Nick Nurse, you're kind of saying that this team is better than what he can. You know what I mean? Like, we all know the team is not as good as, good as they are. Like, we know they're not good. Like bench wise, we see the product. Even it went the, the starters in the game. So to get rid of Nick Nurse just to say you didn't perform well is I don't see that happening. But if he says he wants to leave, that's different. And, and you can kind of mute, mutually part ways. Maybe he takes partial amount of his money, or you trade him. I don't know if you can still trade coaches. I, I think they stopped that. But maybe they get rid of him a different way. But I don't see them like outright firing him and he wanted to stay. Oh, I sorry. think they can still get the draft pick for him, right? I think they can still when, do that. When was the last oh. time someone got traded for it? Was it Doc Rivers? Well, Doc I Rivers think it was, was Doc last. Rivers, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So we can do that and see. I don't know how Ime Udoka's interview went with the Rockets, but if we can send him to the Rockets for a second round or maybe late first or something, I'll take that. Yeah. No, Nick Nurse has got to go. End of story. Um <laughs> So, actually, you know what? Samson's last uh, group one, Samson said that um, there was fighting between the coaches and the players and the p- coaches and the coaches, even. That place, there's a mess in there, apparently. So, you can't go on with that type of atmosphere, right? You're basically, at the end of the day, waiting to see where Nick Nurse lands. And Nurse said he doesn't want to be a, a lame duck coach. And I don't blame him. So if you're st- if you're telling him you're not going to go next year, he's going to start looking. So you got to give him some time and do whatever else. And whatever we get stuck with, we get stuck with. Even if it is an interim for one year, do whatever else. I'm fine with that. Do I think this team could be a lot better without Nick Nurse? Yes, I do. 
I don't think I think there's been a lot of issues there. I think this year we've gone downhill. I think in every aspect of the team, from players to the score way we play, to our fight, to our our confidence, it's all gone, right? And starts someone has to take charge of that. That's the coach to me. That's that's a good point because I I kind of noticed this season too with Nick Nurse. He's a little bit more hands off the wheel now. You know what I mean? Like he, he hasn't been the the offense hasn't been running as much sets as they have in the past, and they don't look as organized as they have in the past. So maybe he's just checking out, or maybe like you guys said, like uh, come on, buddy, who has a stupid press conference saying they're gonna maybe think about quitting before the season ends, and they have a year left to come. <laughs> They have an extra year under. Yeah, that's that's a weird. And it wasn't even prompt. Like it wasn't even like yes. a warranted response. You know, there. That's that, that. That's a bad, bad scenario that's gone wrong, and it's gonna take a lot of rescuing. And if we put Nick Nurse in there again, I don't know how this team. We're, we're that we're not. We're lucky we got the protection on that thing because we could be really, really deep in the lottery. Curly, who do you want as a coach? If if. If Nick Nurse says, you know what, guys, I, I can't do it anymore. I've said it on on a previous episode that I think Kenny Atkinson would be an interesting option. I think his ability to get the best out of his players, especially with that Brooklyn Nets team being led by Spencer Dinwiddie as your best player. And, you know, to make, make the playoffs the way that they did with, you know, Jared Allen and, and Chris LaVert and, and, and whatnot. I thought that was very impressive. I think he would be an interesting coach. I think, I mean, look, Co- um, Coach Mike Brown won Coach of the Year coming off that Golden State tree, coaching tree. So I think anybody, if you can get somebody on there or off their uh, sidelines would be a huge benefit. But the thing the thing about Nick Nurse, this, this team... <laughs> somehow got 48 wins last season and got the fifth seed. I don't think another coach was getting 48 wins and 34 losses off this team. The fact that we were on the outside looking in and finishing 500 the way that uh, the way that we did, it wasn't pretty. We stumbled all the way to the finish line and to be in that position to still compete for a playoff spot I don't think we're doing that without Nick Nurse. Do I agree with with everything that you guys have said? With you know the predictability of the offense, the the aggressiveness, the over aggression of our defensive sets. Do do I feel like that has been detrimental to our team? Absolutely. But I also feel that if we were winning games, we're not having this conversation. So the the inner turmoil, the fights, and all that. To me, I don't really look at that as a negative. I look at it as these guys care. They want to win. They're frustrated. And obviously, it's not the best situation for this team. But I also look at it that this is also, outside of the Tampa season, this was the worst season from Nick Nurse. So I don't think he's a perfect coach by any means. I still think he's a great coach. I think when he leaves, I or if he does leave, I should say, I don't think he should be ridiculed uh, as much as people want to. I, I think that... This season in particular, it's a shared blame from front office to coaching to players. I think the players have has has underperformed at the wrong time. 
I think Nick Durst has underperformed at the wrong time. And we've also seen the hesitancy, not only this season, but last season from the front office to address some of the issues that we're all, all talking about now. So if Nick Nurse does decide to move on and we go with the interim option, I'm okay with that. Do I feel that somebody else is going to lead this team to potential 50 wins? No, because we have those limitations. We have those issues. We have uh, a, a lack of, you know, uh, attackers for the rim. We have a lack of spacing and shooting. We have the lack of bench depth. You look at all the teams that are in the playoffs right now. They have at least two guys coming off the bench that can give you some sort of productive uh, production on the offensive end. We can't look at this team and say, you know what? We're going to get a consistent, consistent 10, 10, and 15 from Gary Trent Jr., Chris Boucher, and Presser Chichua. But you can look at team, look at a team like Boston, for example, like the Milwaukee Bucks, all the contenders. They have capable guys coming off the bench. Look at the Sacramento Kings, Malik Monk, somebody that was struggling to find a job. Look like he's going to secure a, a big payday in the offseason. Like, that's the kind of firepower that we need coming off the bench because we've seen this front off, we've seen this, this starting five, these core guys. They put up numbers when everything is clicking. But the issue is when those guys come off the floor, we don't have the, the guys coming off the bench to maintain it. And, it, and I'm, I'm, this is not a slight at, at Boucher's ability or Precious or even Gary. You know, you guys already know how I feel about Gary. But I think we are asking these guys to do things that they're not capable of doing on a consistent basis. Yeah, they may do it for one night, but then they're not going to be, it's not sustainable. And we've seen it. So I think that we need to hit a refresh button with our approach this offseason. I think we need to hit the refresh button with this roster. And if that means that a couple key guys, couple core guys are the ones that have to go in order for us to do it, I, in short, I don't think anything is off the table for the Raptors this offseason. Go ahead, Nige. You gotta oh, unmute yourself, brother. Yeah, yeah, I got you, man. Uh, so, I think a new coach should be able to make this. This team should be a top six, top seven defense, period. I don't think it's hard for that to happen with the personnel that we have. Okay? I really don't think that's hard to do. The second thing is, if we had a structured offense, I think those guys coming off the bench who cannot create, cannot do a lot of things except shoot or do a few things here or there, their bags are very, very small. We could have aligned their their skill sets to be able to be more productive. That's that's what I think from a new coach. So here's the thing too, like with Nick Nurse, could he just get the right assistance to bring that out of his players or you just think because of everything all together yeah, i think it makes it's too sense. far yeah it's too far right yeah that's i think i my sense of it from reading or whatever else right no from whatever we got is that that locker room is toxic at this point right mm. so yeah um i do agree with the sense that there are issues there but i think winning solves everything at the same time too i don't i don't necessarily see a coach a new coach taking the same kind of redundancies that we have and the same kind of limitations and getting more out of it i i, I don't think I, I i think that 
they've peaked in a sense because you kind of know what you're going to get with these guys. I don't think a new coach is changing that. I, I think the way that they've approached with some of the, with the way that they have approached their development is this idea, or I'm not even going to say this idea. I'm going to call it what it is. The ignorance to think that they can teach everybody how to shoot is the reason why we're in this situation because they went with the approach of getting athletes. They wanted the physical intangibles and they were less reliant on the actual skill set of these players because you look at the league right now, you have to be able to put the ball on the floor, even at an average rate. You need to have the ability to take three dribbles and not turning over the ball or taking three dribbles and getting into the paint and getting off a successful shot attempt. We don't have guys that do that on a consistent basis. And when we do have them all together, they're all trying to do the same thing. The Raptors are a very easy team to guard because you know what they're going to do. They're going to pass, 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 dribble in, pass it out, dribble in, pass it out. Like it, like there's a reason why it's like that. And it's not just how the offense is being run. It's because the guys can do more than that. You know what I mean? So we need to be realistic with this roster. We need to be, you know, appreciative of the fact that these guys can do some things, but they also cannot do the other things. So what are you going to do in the interim? If you are going to bring this team back, you have to fill those holes in order to take some of the pressure off of these guys that cannot do it night in and night out. So it could be the coach, could be the personnel. Bottom line is that the front office has to, has to this offseason, find a way to put these guys in a successful position. I think we've seen Fred get run into the ground. We saw Pascal get run into the ground. We saw what it did to OG this season. We saw what it did to Scotty. Take your pick. Everybody has felt the brunt end of, of this offseason or this season, and it's because of the lack of tools. You can't build a house on a shaky wow. foundation, and I think that's what we're standing on right now. So does it start with the coach? Yeah, it probably does. I think that's the easiest solution. But do I think that another coach is going to do anything different than Nick than what Nick Nurse is doing? No, because I don't think Precious Chichua is going to turn into – a 38% shooter from three. I don't think Chris Boucher is going to achieve that right away. I don't think uh, uh, Scotty Barnes is going to achieve that right away. I think we need to be realistic that these guys are what we, what they are. What can we do to make their job easier? And I think that's the approach that Masai needs to take this offseason. Um, just for the record, Pesha Shachua was a 40% shooter last season, second half. I'm talking about a whole damn season. Don't give me that half a season nonsense, brother. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of it. <laughs> no, but but you know, but you I think it's real it's a real unfair ask to put these guys in very difficult positions because they're work they're working hard. And I think these guys need to be rewarded for their efforts and they're not. It's not equaling out into into positive results, and we're we're seeing it with the body language and and whatnot. But like I said, if they're winning games, we're probably not having this discussion, and I'm not going on my long winded red. So, I, I guess we're gonna have to wait and see what Masai says this, uh, at the presser. I think I don't think we're able to discuss and dissect any more until we get to see how Masai is going to approach this offseason, and especially 
you know, what he's going to say at that presser. Mac, I'll, I'll give you an opportunity to close on this thought, brother. Oh, well, hmm. well, I could say one thing. It's like, I know Masai will probably ask Nurse, like, you say that I don't, we, you probably don't have the right pieces to compete in the NBA right now. So what happened to all those games where you had big leads and the team just out-schemed you back into the game? What happened to those game? What happened in those games where you were down by thirty points and or twenty points, and you came back to have a fake comeback? <laughs> like what happened? Like why are you able to get them to do the right things in spurts, but as soon as things don't go your way, you're not able to adjust? And that's the main thing with this team. Anyone can win with any style in the NBA. It's how you execute it. It's how your players buy in, and that's what the Raptors have pretty much lacked for most of the year. That buy-in. Nice. He's still world earlier. <laughs> I'm just praying. I'm just praying that something good can come out of this season, right? We went through a lot, boys. We went through through hell. So may yeah. our sins be paid, okay, after this season. I mean, I mean, I mean, look at Nigel's beard, man. It's it's more <laughs> it's more gray. Like he had that youthful, that youthful There was never I've been youthful in 20 years, brother. <laughs> Shifting our focus from the Raptors, let's talk about the NBA. And the NBA is not short of any drama and good stories. But before we get into, you know, the meat and potatoes of, of the NBA, let's let's talk about something that has really changed the outlook of some of the playoff picture for some of these teams. It's something as simple as trying to draw a late charge and basically undercutting some of these players and it's leading to these injuries we saw what happened to Giannis and he's out with a back contusion we saw the hand injury with Ja Morant and we we saw social media and even the talking heads on on TV you know go back and forth on this idea of you know, should we remove the charge from the league or should we keep it? We saw that we, we see this back and forth. I, I just want to know, Nigel, I'm going to start with you. We know it's an unsafe play. And we also know that the ref's job is to protect the offensive player. But we're seeing in these moments that they're not protecting the players, so to speak. What side of the fence do you, do you fall on? Do you think they should abandon the charge altogether? Or is there a way that the NBA can enforce a rule that already exists that penalizing the player for basically taking away an offensive player's landing spot as a way to, to penalize them. Taking away an offensive player's landing spot is different from taking a charge, right? So let, let, let's separate that issue. Um, I think there's defensively, there's really not much defense can do it these days. Uh, taking a charge, I think, is is a huge part of what you have left. You can't take away the charge. Anything that, anytime you see a, a guy, as guys as athletic and as powerful as these guys jumping in the air and going towards a basket, anything around that basket is dangerous. I always say we can't have blocks from behind. Those uh, we say we can't do blocks. Period. There's all kinds of danger that's going to come up anytime some of these guys are doing what they're doing. So. No, I think that's an overreaction. It's a moment, and I get it. You've seen some big injuries, and things do happen. But the charge has to stay. Mac, what do you think, brother? I mean, it's been part of the game for so long. And 
And like, look at Kyle Lowry. What would he have been if we oh took away God. the charge? <laughs> <laughs> he, he would be he working at like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we just need to, we need to keep the charge. Um, listen, it, injuries happen, whether it's charge or not. And my thing is, is like, what's the alternative? Like, when a player drives in the paint, we just let them dunk, or like, how do we how do we how do we combat defensively? if a guy is able to just get in the pain and not be touched. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't think that they should be getting rid of the charge for all those exact reasons. I also feel that as the offensive player, you're kind of assuming the risk, knowing that, you know, there is going to be a help side defender there. And you know that maybe taking off a little bit further, uh, might create a different shot opportunity for you and instead of trying to go for that post posterizing dunk i think that you know maybe one way that they can you know change it maybe move up the restricted line a little bit maybe you know a few inches aren't up, you just doing of... the same thing though you're just kind of moving it a little bit right people they're still going up in the air right right but i i think i think part of the issue is is that the restricted area and especially with all these athletes that we have in the league right now it, it it might be a little bit too close to the basket, kind of getting into that that spot where they, you know, they might have a difficult uh, time landing. Uh, you know, I I think that they've done so much to take away from the defender that they really don't have an option. So, and if you take away the charge, then how else are you going to defend? Are you going to bring back the hand checks? Like, like what's the alternative at that point? So I agree. I think this is an overreaction. It's very unfortunate that, you know, the superstars are, are getting hurt or any player that gets hurt in those situations. It's very unfortunate and obviously not good for the league. But I also feel that there, there's no there's no alternative. Like, if, if, like, do you reconstructure the paint? It just doesn't make sense to me. So, yeah, I think we need to cool it with that. But let's talk about some drama, fellas. I like drama. We, oh, I know you do, brother. <laughs> we know, we know where this is going. The Golden State Warriors and the Sacramento Kings has obviously been one of the more entertaining series so far for the early part of the playoffs. But it definitely came with some drama. We saw Sabonis get tied up, end up going onto the ground, grabbing onto Draymond's ankle. Draymond stomps, gives does his best version of Steve Austin, Stone Cold, Shadow Stone Cold, and stomped on Sabonis and continued on. And it ultimately led to an ejection for Draymond Green, a technical foul for Arvita Sabonis. Not very, uh, DeMontis Sabonis, sorry. His dad just came out of retirement in my mind. But DeMontis Sabonis, and it led to a suspension for Draymond Green. And the language surrounding Draymond Green's suspension, it's history. It, it, that's the term that has really drove me off the wall. I think in that moment, the league had an opportunity to kind of look the other way in the sense that this is the playoffs now. I'm not saying that what Draymond did is a basketball play, but I'm also saying that what Sabonis did was not a basketball play. He looked, he was doing his version. I mean, if Draymond's doing a ver, uh, uh, his impression of Stone Cold Steve Austin, then Sabonis is doing his best impression of Kurt Angle putting it, putting Draymond Green in an ankle lock. 
So I think that the suspension was definitely an overreaction because now it's going to influence the out, uh, you know potential playoff outcome for the Golden State Warriors. But uh, looking at the score right now, yeah, I don't I think they're missing Draymond Green. <laughs> it, but he may not play this rest of the series. <laughs> you know what I mean? Go, go figure. He's out of the game. They end up beating the the Kings by twenty points. But Mac, I'm going to start with you. Do you feel that the league? missed with this one by suspending Draymond Green because he was already ejected so I thought the situation was over with I think they it's kind of weird because it's Draymond Green and he has such a history like every playoff series every year it seems like there's something going on with him where it's a little bit of a misconduct type of deal I believe the suspension was to calm him down to be like listen we're not going to take this another year you're stomping on people's chests one year you're kicking them in their groin. The other year, you know what I mean? So it's always something. I think you're just doing this to slow them down in the first round because they know they're probably going to come back and win this series. With how it looked today, <laughs> I think they might come back and win it. And yeah, it, it's Draymond Green. I think it's more of a reputation thing than the actual action. Um, so yeah, that's the way I, that's where I stand on that. Do, do it you did think- look bad though. It did look bad. Yeah. Well, I mean, Sacramento definitely did their part. On, on playing it up, saying that Sabonis was going to be questionable this game because of the contusion, he might he might have missed uh, tonight's game, and I think that was the deciding factor in Draymond's uh, suspension. So, Mac, are, are you on the side like it was warranted? Do you feel like the suspension was an adequate punishment, or? Yeah, it, it looked like he tried to stomp on his. Like it didn't look like he was trying to step. He could have stepped around him. He's like, oh, let me just land right on your rib. <laughs> like, like he knew what he was doing, and it was a retaliation to being held by your ankle. But Sabonis wasn't trying to hurt him. When you're trying to stomp on somebody's rib, you're trying to hurt him. You know what I mean? Like it's a, t- a little bit of a different. Uh, it's a more of an escalated response than the league probably wanted to see. For sure, Nigel. What do you think, brother? Yeah, I, Draymond is Draymond, right? Everything he does, though, at the end of the day, it's done with purpose. And he's a smart, smart guy who knows exactly what he's doing all the time, right? So he wanted to put some bonus in his place. He wanted to do certain things. It just looked ugly. The way it, it was like a one grown man bouncing off a trampoline. That's what it looked like to me, right? So from that point of view, I can see where the suspension comes from. As it, as it helped Sacramento, no. Looking at the score, and this might be the best thing that ever happened to Golden State at the end of the day. Let's see what happens going forward. But come on, Draymond, I, you know I, you love your little games. You do what you do. Just don't whine about them afterwards. You know exactly what you're doing, son. You're very, a very, very smart cookie. Yeah, you, you know uh, I, I don't disagree. I, I don't think his reaction was a warranted one. I, but I definitely do feel that it is an overreaction from the league. Um, just in the sense that the situation was over and done with, like you got him out of the game, like the refs did their job, you handled that situation. I think it's really his his history that really dictated the outcome for this. But then you look at the Sixers-Nets game tonight where Claxton dunked on Joel Embiid and then, you know, Joel Embiid kicks up. Do it doing a Liu Kang bicycle kick from the ground into <laughs> uh, uh, Nicholas Claxton's uh, midsection. But 
that doesn't get an ejection. And that would look far just as deliberate as the Draymond thing. And then you had the James Harden ejection where his arm flailed into Royce O'Neal's midsection. He's holding his, his, his midsection, and then it leads to a James Harden to the ejection. So I guess if you kick, it's okay. You've but if, the whole if, issue, you, though, if right? you flail, it's an issue, you know? And, and, and that's where I struggle. It's the inconsistencies. Nigel, I think you're going to say that. 100%. There is nothing that stays game to game, team to team, East Com- Eastern Conference, Western Conference, day to day, hour to hour, the, it, everything is different. So I don't know how these players do it. It's just ridiculous. I think they've got to come to some... There has to be something better than what they're... And I get it. Listen, my son refed a game recently. I was watching it. It's a tough, tough, tough job to call. It's not volleyball out there. That's a tough, tough business to coach. I mean, not to coach, to ref, right? It's not even soccer. That's a lot easier. You got a lot of speed and quickness in a very small area. And and I will and I will add that refereeing is a form of coaching because you're you're basically guiding the players on like this is what ha- well at least the ones that are willing to have a conversation with the players like this is why I called it this is the situation yeah, you have to so, have that conversation those are the right, best you, refs right right yeah you have that teachable moment so the refs kind of are that on court coaches you know what I mean but it's a tough t- it's I get the refereeing stuff it's not easy right this whole thing is not an easy thing to do. But certain things are eligible for a flagrant one, certain things for a flagrant two. That should be pretty damn standard at this point. And what's an ejection? That should be standard. For sure, Mac. You feel the same way? Sorry, my connection was like all over the place. <laughs> Maybe We're just talking about are... yeah. Maybe the twins are messing with the with the motor. <laughs> <laughs> We're just talking about what's what's a flagrant one. Yeah, like it, it keeps freezing. That's got to be standardized. Yeah, and we're basically saying that, you know, the inconsistencies from what's a flagrant, from what's not a flagrant, what's worthy of an ejection, and what it, like, vice versa, like, that's essentially the feel for the, like, do you you agree that the inconsistencies really takes away from the game and kind of creates these unnecessary talking points? I think what can avoid, like, a way you can avoid that is anytime a flagrant is called, you bring it to, where is it, Secaucus or whatever it's called. You bring it there and let them make the call if it's a flagrant one or two. Because if it's a one voice, one unit, one headquarters that knows how they're going to call every single play, I think that will be a little bit more consistent than some refs who take it personal at times. Um, they're kind of like hearing the player's jaw back and forth and kind of like overreact to that. Um, I think that would be a good way to like centralize and make everything one cohesive way to call the game. Or ask chat GPT. But... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, one thing I want to see different, and, I, and I'm kind of straying away a little bit from the topic, is allowing the players to be emotional. You know, I, I think everybody that goes onto the floor wants to win a game. I don't think anybody's is thinking losing. They're, they're competitors. And, you know, Sometimes the competitive edge gets the best of you. Sometimes, you know, there might be something going on with you internally that game that, you know, yelling to, to kind of relieve that stress and, and take that pressure off of you is a way to kind of move on from that frustration and try to do something better throughout the game. I think that 
really trying to silence a player's emotion has created some of these issues. But talking about the, the refs themselves, I think what all I want to see is consistency. If, yeah, Draymond, yeah. if Draymond Green, if you're going to eject him and suspend him for stepping on Sabonis, then I think that Joel Embiid, who's consciously did an upkick towards Nicholas Clacton's midsection, and thankfully he didn't make any kind of contact, I think that if he's not suspended, because he definitely wasn't ejected, the same way that Draymond was, he wasn't ejected, he was able to finish the game, I don't really know what the outcome was, but I think that if you're suspending Draymond and then there's no suspension for Joel Embiid, you're you're leaving that room where you, room for a conversation that you might be targeting the Warriors. You know what I mean? It just creates an unnecessary conversation. You know what I mean, Nudge? Well, I, I you know people say targeting the Warriors, but you know they no, no. I, but but I'm, but I'm, I'm saying I mean? I'm saying I'm saying that you know like yeah, you yeah, know yeah. with air quotes. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, no, it's I agree, one hundred percent, and I think Max's suggestion was excellent. Put it to one specific place. It's not that hard to do in this day and age with technology the way it is. Um, let's do that. Yeah, forget it. Yeah, for sure. And you know, let's wrap up. And you know, we've been busy. We've had you know time to reflect on the Raptors season that we unfortunately didn't was not able to. Uh, have a playoff preview and the playoffs are well underway so let's quickly go through some of the matchups right now we got the you know the milwaukee bucks sans Giannis. that series is you know one two no two no two no oh one they won the first no, they're right? one apiece. Yeah, yeah 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 they're one apiece they're one apiece brother yeah. so yeah. you know without Giannis on the buck side no hero on the other, they got blown out by Drew Holiday and company. What, what's your quick pick for the outcome on the Milwaukee Bucks Miami Heat series? And if I would, you know, I, I find it hard to believe that the Miami Heat can beat this in a seven game series. That's in the story for me. Yeah, Mac, what do you think? Yeah, I think Bucks in six is a safe pick. Yeah, I'm with you. I think the Bucks will have an easier time winning without Giannis and they've proven that then the Miami Heat finding ways to win the games without Tyler Hero I think I'm not saying that Tyler Hero and Giannis are on the same level but they're both valuable obviously valuable pieces to their to their core but I think Milwaukee has found a way to to win games without Giannis in the lineup and they did you know you I think he played about 60 games some somewhere in the low to mid 60s so they're they're a winning team yeah Bucks and six uh Celtics Hawks I think we yeah. can all agree it's over it's over right yeah it's over well, that could have been the Raptors getting swept man yeah I don't know. right right yeah. <laughs> uh we saw Philly you know they they were down a, a couple games and they had oh, to yeah. make a comeback and Tyrese Maxey had a oh how good is Maxey how oh, good man. is Maxey that guy is special cold, cold. Yeah, he, he he really is. But they have a 3-0 lead on, on the Nets. And, you know, hats off to the Nets. They're fighting valiantly. They're making them earn earn it over oh, the Oh, I like the Nets. Games. I like what they have there. But Absolutely. you know what? Philadelphia's on a different level, right? Those, those yeah. teams are on a different level. As much as I hate to admit it, because I'm not a big Philly fan. Oh, I hate them. They, they, but they, they've earned my respect. I, I see that being a sweep. Mac, you concur? I think it's going to be uh, Buck, or sorry, Sixers and Five. Oh, you think the Nets are going to get one, huh? I think they might get one at home. 
No, actually, no. Yeah, yeah. It's okay, get it's one at home. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they get one at home, and then the uh, Sixers will close it out in Philly. That's what I believe. Sweet. Uh, my favorite Eastern Conference matchup, and I know Mac mm-hmm. is watching this closely. The Cavs, Knicks, they're at one apiece. You know, the Cavs responded in you know Cavs fashion, blowing out the Knicks. I think the se- that series is going the way that we've expected it to. Min- minus the blowout, I don't think the Knicks were expecting that. I definitely wasn't expecting that. They're two solid teams. They they both get the me- the best out of their key guys. Mac, I'm gonna start with you. How do you see that? series playing out i think it's going to be Cavs in six i have to go with Cavs because i said uh, in our group chat that i think Cavs are going to make the finals so yeah you're on that Cavs bag like all right Nigel, what do you think no no you gotta you gotta repeat that again Cavs making the finals he's calling it boys yeah eastern conference but no just <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I don't know i just i like donovan mitchell i like their front court defensively I like their dynamic guard in Darius Garland. I think they have a lot of good elements to su- surprise the even the Bucks in that next round. So I, I just like what they, they bring. I like their hunger. And yeah, I think they have a good chance. So I'll, so I'll go with the Cavs. That's an interesting team for me because you got three guys who really can't shoot on that starting five, right? Mm-hmm. And they somehow make that work, you know? they Because of those two... Guards who can move like crazy, you know. That's exactly. an interesting. That's because that looks like a bad roster. Period, all <laughs> over the place, right? They're just, you're telling me their their bench is better than our bench. It's horrible. The yeah, whole thing, like you know. It's just well, they have, they have Karis Lebo- They have Karis Levert who can give you some points sometimes. He's on a downhill. Well, you never know, right? And then he's yeah. how many games he's going to play too, right? That's a whole yeah. bunch of him too. But I think I think I think Donovan Mitchell can carry you and and. In games and again defensively, that front court putting up a wall against like Giannis, right? I think if they can get to that next round, they can kind of sneak into the finals. I I think the key for the Cavs' success is Darius Garland. Mm-hmm. He has to play like an All Star in order for them to have a chance. And I mean, it's not a coincidence. He had a great game last game, and they ended up blowing out the Knicks, right? I think mm-hmm. the Cavs really struggle when he struggles. We, you know what you're going to get from Donovan Mitchell. But we've also Is seen... Donovan Mitchell a, 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 a first-team All-NBA? What do you think of that, Carlos? Mm. No. No, I don't, I don't, I don't think who's, so. Who's better this year? Shea. Yeah. You're going to put Shea ahead of him, huh? Uh, ahead yeah. of him. Yep. Shea, yeah. Shea, Shea, Shea's on a different level. Man. Okay, so Shea, who else? I mean, hmm. not Donovan. <laughs> That's <laughs> I don't know. There's so many guards. I, I don't know who. Yeah. I mean, you might have to put Steph there by default. Ahead of uh, ahead of Mitchell this year. I don't know. I don't think I don't think Mitchell has done enough to be the, like the second best, like top two guard in the league, right? Yeah, I don't. He's had. Don't get me wrong. I think he has. He's had a great, oh, he's had a great season. Year. I'm just asking. He, he, what do you think? Yeah, he's has a great yeah, season. That's a good I, question. Yeah. That's that a, is good a good question. question. That's a good I, debate. I, yeah, I think we're that's something that we're gonna have to continue in the group chat because <laughs> I, I need to take a look at the numbers. But I think uh, Shea is definitely better than Donovan Mitchell, at least this mm-hmm. season, in my humble opinion. Uh, Nige, what do you think about the next Cavs series? Who who takes it? Yeah, that's a tough one. I I gotta go. I don't want to go with the Cavs because I hate them too. Now I still hate everyone again, <laughs> uh, and I don't. You know what? I, I just don't want. 
Can you imagine a Knicks fan with a victory? Uh, that, that's just going to be another horrible fan base, man. So I don't know which is the worst fuel, man. I don't want You know what? Hopefully, because my guy Curly's going with him, I'm going to go with Cavs, okay? I mean, Mac is going with him, so I'm going with, with the, the Cavs here. I'm going, but I'm going to go in seven. And, and I think a topic a topic we need to bring up, I, or I would like to bring up one day, is R.J. Barrett. What is he going to become? R.J. Barrett. Yeah. <laughs> he's reached his peak. <laughs> he is what he is, eh? It's I don't know, man. If he's not going, if he's not going left, he's got he, nothing. Yeah, yeah. Right, and he, nothing. He, he can't finish. Run, uh, I mean, we'll save that for another day. We've been on a long yeah. pod, but yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I I think he definitely needs to do some soul searching. Maybe look for a right hand this off season. But all that being said, you guys are absolutely right. I don't care for the Knicks fan base at all or New York in general. Like all the teams in the tri-state area, they could suck it. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do think the Knicks are going to beat them in seven games. Ooh. I do think it's going to go a full seven. I think Jalen Brunson has unlocked something on this team that is you know, test turned them into believers. And I think they're young guys like the Quickleys and the Obi Toppins and the Qu- uh, Quentin Grimes. I think those guys have stepped up for them. The way Josh, that Hart. Last- Josh Hart has been a huge pickup huge. for them. So I think the depth is going to become a factor for the Cavs. And I'm going to have to give that edge to the Knicks. So let's move to the Western Conference. Denver Nuggets, Minnesota, 2-0 lead. I honestly, honestly, I honestly thought Cat was going to dominate this thing because I didn't think they had the second guy to cover him. You know, the, the, the I big, thought the Gobert big was going to the big meow. Yeah? <laughs> the big meow. Yeah, but, but no, yeah, the, the big, big meow puss. is like yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you you know what? It's it's disappointing because you see what he can do, but I don't know, man. It, it was like ever since that three point contest, it's just been a, a very slippery slope for him. And and it's disappointing, but I, I don't know how you guys feel, and I think it's a it's a great question to ask very quickly. The Rudy Gobert, Carl Town things. Ooh. I don't I don't I don't think that's working, man. No, least least because you could you could have just had Walker Kessler to do exactly yeah. what, and then you would still have Beasley without all your picks. Yikes! Wow. Well. Yeah. What happens and, when you get a new owner Vanderbilt. coming in trying to do stuff? Right. That's the, mm-hmm. they're willing to do. Do whatever they have to do to make a statement. And also losing Vanderbilt and, and Nas Reed at the same time definitely hurt their chances oh. uh, in, in the long run to mi- actually make that a series. Oh, so, you mean Jaden McDaniels, right? McDaniels. Oh, sorry. J- yeah, Jaden McDaniels. Sorry, my apologies. Denver. The stupidest maybe. injury of all time. He punched the wall. Who walks off? Who does that? <laughs> I just hope he insured his hand. Oh, God. <laughs> I hope he did. Foolish but case. Denver... Denver sweeping them, or do you think the the T Wolves get one? I think they get yeah. one. I, I think, think they, they get, get one. one. Yeah. What do you think? I, I feel like Denver's on a mission this year. They're not letting down. Do you know what I mean? Like I feel like Philadelphia gives up a game, but I feel like Denver is on a mission. And more importantly, playoff Murray is back. He is. Ooh. He is like. Did he have a knee injury? Like I, I can't even tell, man. Yeah, this guy's finishing was, above the rim. Right? Oh, step back. Yeah. I don't want to call him bu- Bubble Jamal Murray, but... Bubble he's Jamal? Def- 
but, but he's definitely giving off those kind of vibes again. Bubble boy, so, yeah. Bubble, right? So we'll we'll say Denver in five. Yeah, that's safe. Yeah. And wait, sorry. Wouldn't you love? I'm to going see... four. I'm going with four. You're going with four. All right. Wouldn't, wouldn't you love to see Jamal Murray versus Donovan Mitchell again? I know it would have to be the finals to that for that to happen, but I would be a love. I would love that match, a rematch. Yeah, well, I just don't want to see the Cavs in the finals. I'm with Nigel on that I know, one. I know. <laughs> yeah, like, you gotta have better dreams, man. Dream bigger, okay? Well, I know, I know, but I just like Mitchell. So fair enough. Memphis and the Lakers. You know, no jaw. They found a way to get themselves back in the series. We got the sideshow of. Dylan Brooks versus LeBron James. I I really would be surprised if this finishes in six games. I think it goes the full seven. And I'm going to give the edge to the Grizzlies. I think the Grizzlies might take this one. Nigel, what do you think? My name is Nigel Nicholas. And I am a fan of... Of Dylan Brooks, okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm gonna go with the fact that, yeah, I, I, I think that's a old team, man. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I think you're putting too much out there. I'm going six, six, six Memphis. Mac, what do you? But you know what? It's LeBron. Who knows, right? Don't get me wrong, but it, I'm hey. just. Yeah, no, I agree, but I think I think the Grizzlies. Sorry, Mac. I think the Grizzlies found something. Run them out of the gym. You win the game, and and I think that's exactly what they're gonna do. They're gonna they might need oxygen tanks at the crypto arena for those guys to keep up with them. Mac, what do you think, brother? I mean, I, I would pick Grizzlies in six because I don't see a scenario where AD can keep up for the for a long duration of the series. Okay, not without getting injured, right? Yeah, without getting hurt and. I don't know. It, 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 I hate to say it like that, but it is what it is. He, he's yeah. very fragile. Yeah, that's fair. And, you know, we were, we were just talking about the Sacramento Kings, Golden State Warriors. The Warriors are back in it. 2-1 to the Kings. You know, I, I imagine the Warriors even it up at home and make it 2-2. But I think I think Warriors in seven. Yeah. Nigel, what do you think? Yeah, there's a lot. If you talk DNA... If you talk championship DNA, no one has more championship DNA, and no one has the least amount of championship DNA than the Sacramento <laughs> Kings. So they may be a better team, but let's face it, there's a lot more to it than just talent, right? For sure, for sure. Mac? Kings and six. Woo! Hot take Kings of the day. Yes, yes, Mac. Why not? Why it. not? Why not, brother? And... Last but definitely not least, another entertaining series, Phoenix Suns against the Los Angeles Clippers. We unfortunately did not get to see Kawhi suit up. He was out with a sprained knee. That is obviously a huge blow considering the fact that they already don't have Paul George. And Kawhi looked like Terminator once again, flashes of 2019, just dominating, guarding the best player and giving it to you on the offensive end as well. Suns look like they're going to take this one, take the series lead at two to one. It's hard to imagine a scenario that the Clippers are w- making this a series without Kawhi and Paul George. So I guess I don't know, but you know what? It's only eight points now with seven yeah. thirteen left. This is a uh, you know what? 
Uh, they spend a lot of money for a first round exit if that goes down bad. Oh man, I'd be that's horrible. A, I didn't even yeah. think of it like that. Yeah, that's the most expensive first round exit. But I think I think that the Clippers depth is gonna keep them in the series, but I, I, I don't see them winning without Kawhi and and Paul George. I, I, I just don't see it happening. If they have Kawhi, uh maybe Clippers in seven. If they have watching Kawhi, Kawhi play. Oh, my, how many memories did that guy bring up? He is he is the ultimate AI. So good. Oh, I cried. I cried, boys. I cried watching that. <laughs> I, I, I actually turned it off. I turned it off. I couldn't watch it. I, I was just, I just felt my heart breaking like somebody was, what, what was it, Kano from Mortal Kombat? I felt like somebody was just sticking their hand into my chest and just ripping my heart out. Like, that's... I've had a lot of references tonight, but that I, Philly Philly series. Do you guys remember not, that? Oh, not, not, Nigel, stop it, bro! <laughs> I don't want to talk about this anymore. Okay, let's assume that Kawhi is healthy. At minimum, Kawhi is healthy. Do you see the Clippers taking that series? Yeah, Mac. Uh, the Kawhi, no, because nope. uh, the other because the other side has Katie and Booker. So I, I think it's gonna be very even. I like the Clippers depth. Um, but I man, Kawhi being healthy is 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 a tough ask right now in his career. It seems because that, that injury seemed like it came out of nowhere, I at least to me. Do you do you think it was a, a bit strategic in a sense to kind of give him Oh, maybe like a load like, load like management? A, I heard people like, saying oh, that's that. A, that's smart, actually. I, I didn't even think of that. I heard people saying that that they're trying to like manage him because they kind of, kind of probably saw that he's getting some wear, so they're gonna save him. But that's possible. But I don't think that'd be that smart to go down in a series to do that, you know. So I don't know. I I do feel that I'm, I'm that's strictly hypothetical, but I do feel that the lack of depth, sorry, from the Phoenix Sun side is going to rear its ugly head at some mm. point during the playoffs. I I really feel that the Clippers have that slight edge but i think it's going to be difficult just to rely on you know the guys coming off the bench to to shoulder that kind of load against the likes of booker and kd mac you you had something to add brother oh yeah well depth is very key for sure but i believe depth will get you to the playoffs stars will get you to the finals so I don't think the the teams will go deep that deep in their bench where depth will be that impactful. But a team like the Clippers, like you say, their depth will save them and keep them in games for sure. I think that's the one team in this whole playoff um, gauntlet that will need to rely on their depth more than more more than other teams. I should say. Yeah, and and you know on the flip side of that, you know when you have Kevin Durant, you always have a chance to win a basketball game and especially a playoff series. So. Um, I, I think that the Suns are equipped, you know, they have the star power, they and you know, they're well coached. They they they've been there before, so they, they know what it takes. But I think a huge, huge X factor for them, I think they're gonna struggle if they don't get consistent production from DeAndre Aiden. I, I, I don't know what it is. They need at least a consistent 15 and 10 for from him in order for them to be successful and if they're not getting that it's going to be a struggle Nigel, what do you think um oh um, deandre ayton is like the most overplayed player in the league to me in my mind I, he just how did he 
even get drafted where he was, let alone oh. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, Davis Bertans makes 16 mil a year. Up to so, so, yeah, okay. So, if that's the case, he's <laughs> the second most highest level pay player. Could you imagine a, a, a series of of Rudy Gobert and DeAndre in like wouldn't that be like the most unenthusiastic battle in, in a playoff matchup like to see those two go at it <laughs> and then you throw Cat in the mix like you oh have three gosh. bigs that like are just stuck no, in so slow-mo boring. so oh, unenthusiastic like, oh. like Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar <laughs> when Brock Lesnar wanted to leave yeah <laughs> oh hey Mac uh, we didn't even talk about MMA Oh yes, yes. What a fight! Israel Adesanya. Oh, sorry, buddy. No, 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 no. I, I, listen, I I <laughs> you guys are just lucky. Um, I'm a UFC fan, but yeah, it was crazy to see Izzy come back ooh, uh, like ooh, that. The way that he, to play possum, ooh, no? cold. Oh, what, what, what a, what a knockout! Oh, what a knockout! You know what? <laughs> I need to see a knockout from Masai Ujiri this offseason. Oh. I, I want Masai to treat this offseason like Alex Pereira, play possum, and just hit him with that right hand. And, you know, three arrows to the chest in the offseason. One, two, three. And we address our bench depth, our shooting, and we get a good draft pick. That's all I want to see. Those are the three <laughs> arrows I want to hear to see to see stick. And I think that's a great place to leave off because I do not want to turn this into an MMA podcast. So let's finish it <laughs> off with that, boys. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, to all those listening, new and old, I appreciate you all taking the time to stick around with this banter part. It isn't a long time coming. We have now reached a part of the season where it's going to be a little bit challenging to put out some consistent content. I'm definitely going to try and you know make it as entertaining as possible maybe go into a weekly mode in in the interim and obviously we're gonna have some draft talk and and obviously in the off season gonna bring these boys back gentlemen can't thank you enough for being a part of this whole experience it's always a vibe here you know we talked about everything uh, we even squeezed in some mma some wrestling you know it's it's always a great time with you guys uh nigel i'm gonna start with you let the people know what you got in the works please tell me you got something in the works brother you're, you're coming out of retirement you're gonna give us some content please please so it's interesting that you asked this question because i have my new pod coming out with the next couple of weeks it's hey. called the forgetful curator it's one-on-one interviews with some of the rr uh, people out there right now i've got aiden moss giving me my first i've got a couple guys like samson coming on i've got uh Blake Murphy. I'm going to have a bunch of guys to come on from our... Uh, I've obviously asked my guy, Mac, to come on there as well. Hopefully, he has, his kids let him. Um, I would love to have him on here as well. A uh, bunch of guys. Andrew Damlin. A uh, bunch of guys over there. So, we'll deal with that. Then uh, first RR, then the world. We'll see, boys. Uh, it's basically... Uh, and it's also... Uh, I'm just interviewing these guys, getting to know them a little better. Uh, why they started liking basketball, why they started liking the Raptors, why they started becoming content creators. Just one-on-one interviews with these guys so you guys get to know them a little bit better. That that, that sounds awesome, and, and congratulations on that opportunity, brother. Thank um, you very much. 
yeah, and you know what? I, I'm, I'm, I think Mac and I are going to take a little bit of credit for this. I don't think you're having this kind of confidence to have your own pod if you weren't brought on by, oh, no, by no, the no, both no. of And plus, right? we got to get this pod together and like on a regular basis, all three of us doing something together. We all got our own stuff, but we got to do this as a team once a, every other week at least, okay? Uh, on our I, own one. I, I agree, brother. Mac, I know, I know you're busy. I think that's an understatement, uh, to say the least. Uh, We we see the revamp of the pod, ladies and gentlemen. If you have not had an opportunity, so good, so good, amazing, amazing work on running off the screen, bringing a whole different vibe, something that you haven't experienced yet. I can guarantee it, Mac. What do you got on the works, brother? Damn, you guys kind of sold it for me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I have running off the screen. I rebranded it. Uh, I was just looking to like towards creating like a cinematic vibe to give you guys more of a visual when I'm talking, paint the picture a little bit more with what I'm doing. Um, this last episode, I kind of talked about the Messiah issues. I talked about Nick Nurse and Fred's situation, and I kind of gave like a little coaching candidate out there uh, for you guys to listen to. And each week, I'm going to be bringing a new coaching candidate until we figure out what's going on with Nick Nurse. I'll do like a little mini uh, coaching profile. But yeah, check it out. It's a running off the screen podcast. It's pretty much available everywhere you listen to your podcast. And uh, yeah, it's going to be an audio experience. You really enjoy it. I'm pretty sure you will. I have no doubt about it. And, you know, you got my co-sign. Nige gave you his co-sign. Check it out, folks. If you have not done so, you will not be disappointed. And like I said, for the Live by the Three Raptors podcast, we're definitely going to try and do something on, on the weekly uh, leading up to the draft and then going into the offseason. So please stay tuned for that. You can find it on your favorite platforms. If you have not done so already, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It'll mean so much if you take the time to do so. And until the next episode, everyone, please continue to stay healthy and stay safe. Good people. Peace. Peace.